Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Hullcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the executive director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Hullcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Hullcraft, professor and director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Welcome to Real Presence Radio and this morning's episode of Awaken. We're in episode three. My name is Mark Holcraft, joined with Dr. Joe Holcraft, joining us from Ohio. How's it going in Ohio, Joe? It is going well. It is uh, snowing this morning, incredibly. Uh, it's great to be with you, Mark, for this third episode. I'm really excited, as always, to talk about this all-important topic of faith and what it means to pray in faith. Um, I woke up this morning went into prayer, and there was just a, a lot put on my heart to share. So I'm really looking, looking forward to this program. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's jump into prayer, and we'll, we'll dive in. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the gift of faith. Lord, we ask that you would increase in us that gift of faith. We pray that that gift would encourage us and embolden us, build on the gift of courage uh, to live a life that is faithful and obedient to you and all your promptings. We pray all this, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we're talking faith. Today's topic is to pray in faith, and not just to pray in faith, but to pray for an increase, to ask the Lord for an increase in faith, um, which might be almost, I don't know if it's counterintuitive for some, like, okay, if you're praying, doesn't that mean you're acting on faith, Joe? Doesn't that mean you're living a faithful life? Why would you ask for more faith? Like, faith is faith. Um, but yeah. there, there is yeah, such well, thing as little faith and big faith. Yeah, go ahead. Amen, Mark. It's, it's really to echo... The, the father of the son who is possessed, who we will talk about today for sure, who says in Mark 9, verse 23, I believe, help my unbelief. Uh, so, so maybe you just said little, it's it's 1% of the 100%, but we can still say rightly then, Mark, right? I believe, help, me, help my unbelief. Yeah. Help me increase in that 1%. And even if, if it goes to 1.5% or 2%, um, if there's an increase for for that, we 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 praise God for sure. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, in your book you talk about this saying, and I it's I laughed when I read it, and it's just true. This whole idea, speaking of, it's just true. Is is that too good to be true? This is too good mm-hmm. to be true. Um, can can you shed a little light? Uh, there's a story that you share, um, but I think the story points to something that all of us can relate to this whole idea of what really is behind that statement of it's too good to be true. Yeah. Well, Mark, I think in our experiences, as, as you suggest, um, we encounter something or someone and we say it's, it's too good to be true. Or or we, we observe someone do something extraordinary, right? Uh, 
I know in the book, I talk about Nick Walenda him doing the tightrope walk across the gorge of the Grand Canyon. Are you kidding me with that? Right? Yeah. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Uh, and that's the word I use. That's unbelievable. Or, um, you know, I'm walking in the valley of, uh, of the, the, the great national park of Yosemite. And I'm looking around me at God's natural cathedral. And I'm saying to myself, this is unbelievable. Right? Yeah, or yeah. maybe I'm just astonished at the achievements of a, a superstar and what they're achieving on the field or the court or whatever. And I say, man, how did you do that? That's incredible. That's too good to be true. And so as I was probing uh, that phrase and, and, and why we say that, I asked myself the question, you know, what's underneath that? Uh, what are we saying implicitly? Because, well, I watched Nick Walenda <laughs> uh, yeah, cross the, yeah. the gorge of the Grand Canyon. I, I was there in Yosemite and similarly maybe in, in Lake Tahoe or the Grand Canyon. I was there in the Grand Canyon. All that. Why do we say it's too good to be true or that's unbelievable? Because, well, for me, I think that is a word and or a phrase that's tied to heaven, right? And for everything that has been revealed about what heaven is or what it could be, we just say, uh, that's too good to be true. Um, something like that can't be so enjoyable, so astonishing, so marvelous, so excellent, as they would say in, in Italy, uh, fantastico, right? <laughs> you, you enter into that mystery, Mark, and what you're entering into, I think, is a deeper question, really, in the end. What does it mean to have faith in that which we cannot see? Because, gosh, Mark, if we're saying what we experience or what we encounter is too good to be true or, or unbelievable, then what are we saying of heaven? Right? Yeah, and, and so I, I kind of reflect. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's instinct. It's, it's just what we do or, or what we say. Yet, Underneath that, again, as I suggested in the book, there's something going on there. Uh, and, and for me, it's, it's relevant to the wider discussion of faith as we talk about it in its various modes and, and understanding. Yeah. And so I, we take that and we come back to the boy that is possessed and the father that mm -hmm. says, help my unbelief. You know, and so yeah. that one of the, the thoughts or questions that comes to my mind is how do we shift our disbelief then? Shift our disbelief into belief. And even the, the way I ask it, Joe, the way I said, how do we do that? Well, in a certain sense, we don't. What we do, what we do is we come with the request. <laughs> we come with this, the disposition of begging the Lord, begging the mm -hmm. Father. Amen. Help Amen. my disbelief. Turn my disbelief into belief in God, and then God will. You know, yeah. we come in yeah. faith and in humility he, he delivers, right? Yeah. He's going to deliver. Amen. As I think Alexander Dumas penned long ago, Mark and the Count of Monte Cristo, uh, <laughs> you know, when the, um, when the good professor slash doctor slash mathematician was um, helping, uh, helping the, the character now is escaping me, but <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorite books. Anyhow, he looks upon him. And he, he says to the good doctor, the good professor, I don't believe in God anymore. And he says in return, 
don't worry, God believes in you. Yes. You know, and, and, and inside of that, again, there's more than just a kernel of truth in that uh, what God desires is for us to enter into the mystery of faith, into the mystery of, of what we see, uh, or rather what we don't see. Mark, you touched upon it earlier with respect to what faith is. Faith is first a gift, right? It's something given to us unmerited, right? Yeah. And this is yep. the grace given to us, the virtue given to us in our baptism. But it is more than just a gift. It is also an act. And that act is trust, right? That act is surrender. Uh, that act is what is at the heart of faith. And this is so important for us in our understanding of faith, because when you go into the Old and New Testament, what you quickly discover, Mark, is that rarely do you see the word faith uh, when it's translated into the English. The Hebrew word is emanah. What you see is faithfulness, right? Sure. Faithfulness. Sure. It's responsive listening. It's, it's a firm response. It essentially, Mark, is trust. So, faith is synonymous with trust. So, trust becomes uh, the concrete act and virtue of faith. Now, how do we increase it? We do ask, right? Yeah. This is what yeah. is fundamental to prayer. Prayer really means to ask in its Latin, precari, to ask. And so, you enter into that. But it's, it's not this, uh, this kind of weak asking. Right, it's it's something that speaks to desire. In Matthew chapter seven, verse uh, seven, uh, when Jesus says, "Ask, seek, knock," it's desire. The whole of the spiritual life, Mark, is that our desire to be in union with God might match God's desire to be with us. That our yearning to receive God's love equals God's desire to give His love. Right. So asking. Um, is more than just, so, God, can, can you do this for me? No, no, no. It's, as you hinted at earlier, as you spoke to it earlier, it's a begging, it's a craving, it's a desiring. And so when we ask for more faith, there's a desire. And this is what really enfolds the encounter between uh, the father of the boy possessed and our Lord, which is a, a fascinating encounter when you really think about it, because in Mark 9, verse 21, <laughs> what does the Father say to Jesus? But <laughs> if you can help us, please mm -hmm. help us and have pity on us. And what does Jesus respond in verse 22 with? Uh, if you can, <laughs> for those who have faith, all things are possible. Yeah. You know, yep. in, in contemporary terminology, Mark, I could almost hear Jesus say, really? Did you just say, if I can? Is this really a question of <laughs> yeah. what God can or cannot do? Is not your faith the barrier of what I can and cannot do? Right. So, and certainly, clearly, from verse 22 to, to, to verse 23, something happened in time 2,000 years ago, because how did the Father respond? Well, what we've already spoken to. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, right? It was a cry, it was a craving, it was a desire, it was a yearning. Help my unbelief. I believe, I believe. 
I hear you, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> of, of my faulty request, if, because underneath if mark is what? If is the clause that speaks to doubt. Exactly. Right? And, and when we go to God in our intercessory prayer, doubt is no bueno, but as we recognize there might be doubt there, that's the moment we pray. That's the moment we, we, we cry. Um, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And it's really, right? it, and, and that's what's at the heart. Yeah. It's an incredible thing, Joe, because it's, and this is just what God, God does. He, he writes straight with crooked lines, or in this case, it's really, he just, he turns it upside down on us. It's mm-hmm. in that moment, mm-hmm. you know, we're using the, we say disbelief, but really it's in that cry, as you said, desperation. It's a desperate experience. It's not just a desperate yeah. feeling. Yeah. There's a desperation there. And yet, Within an instant, not only does the Lord hear and respond, but in turn to um, the change that occurs within the person, the change that occurred within the Father, you know, Amen. the emotion of it is massive, the desperation of it, um, and yet it is all with a Father's love. And for any one of our listeners who are listening, we come, we approach the Lord, and there's a certain sense of desperation in that prayer, but it's in prayer. It's in the context of that prayer. It's in the context of that communion with God, where something you are asking, begging, something maybe to change, uh, something to be healed, uh, something to be made manifest, whatever it is. But then the real work that happens within the heart of the person asking you know, mm-hmm. it becomes mm-hmm. this, this prayer for an increase of faith in, in its instantaneous moment becomes that point at times of conversion, of change. Yeah, Not amen. just, hey, amen. the prayer was answered, because we both know God's answer to prayer is sometimes no. <laughs> or not at this time. Because God's grand yes. plan, he sees the whole picture. And yet what happens in the heart, what stirs in the heart, in this case of the Father? You know, and let's face mm. it, I do wonder... If uh, in the manliness of Jesus, who is, I say manliness in its truest sense, the word virtue, right? Uh, virtue. Yeah, yes. You know, in his yes. Latin roots. Amen. But how yeah. much in that virtue says, you know, as you, as you said, really? Did you just say yeah. if? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. If you okay. can. Yeah. Mark, you made a point there that I think is really important for us to talk about, especially for our listening and viewing audience. When you used the phrase, made manifest and even to some extent mm-hmm. when you reference the whether or not uh god is going to come through and certainly we're going to talk much more about this later but there is a question that i've been getting a lot recently and the question is quite simply why do you pray it's it's not as if you can change god's mind yeah awesome. it's, it's a great it's, it's, it's a, a great, great question, question. <laughs> or yes. phrased phrased another way can you change god's mind yeah. And this is what I would say to that, and this is so important for us on this wider topic of intercessory prayer. It is not so much about changing God's mind, Mark, in as much as it is about bringing to fruition what is in God's mind, mm-hmm. um, which brings us back to what we talked about in the first week. As St. Thomas says, and again here I'm paraphrasing, God doesn't need our prayers to act. Mm-hmm. He chooses to use our prayers to act. <laughs> our whole existence is gift. It's lavishness. Mm-hmm. God doesn't need us 
uh, to become more. He is absolute truth. But out from that absolute truth, which is love, he lavishes upon creation and you and I and all of us his sheer goodness. And his desire is but an invitation that we might share in that goodness to the point, as St. Paul reminds us, to actually participate in the work of um, salvation and the, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. This is why he says in Colossians 1.24, for you make up what is lacking in the redemptive mission of Christ. There was nothing lacking per se in the suffering of Christ. What Paul wants us to see is that by virtue of our intercessory prayers and other noble redemptive work, we bring people uh, closer to God and ultimately we can help save souls. Right? This is what he speaks to in Philippians 4, 6 and 1 Timothy 2, 4, as we've touched upon it before. And certainly this is what lies at the heart of intercessory prayer. We help bring about the salvation of souls. And that's why when you talk about whether God responds with a yes, no, or not yet, really in the end, it's always a yes, a yes to the optimal good, what is already in God's mind. And he invites us to bring that about. And can I say this too, Joe, and with our cooperation, huh? You know, with our cooperation. Because if if his end is always the optimal good, you know, and he made us good. He made us in his image, and yet we have the gift of freedom to choose. So even within prayer, um, at some point, the prayer requires our cooperation and our response to that. You know, yeah. and, it, and that comes in a variety of ways. Uh, Joe, we already have to take a break here. We have a break coming upon us soon. Um, but gosh, <laughs> food for the soul. This is, a, this is a teaser, and I love it. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Um, when we get back... Uh, I want to, I feel a need, Joe, I want to bring this into some practicality. What's mm-hmm. uh, practically, mm-hmm. how can we, and not only we ask the Lord for an increase of faith, but how can, can we grow in confidence? So when we return, practical, practical tips to pray with more confidence on Real Presence Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Welcome back to Awaken on Real Presence Radio. This is Mark Holcraft, joined with Dr. Joe Holcraft. And we're talking praying in faith. Praying in faith. And in our first uh, uh, moment, we were first section, we were talking about uh Praying for the increase of faith, right? Uh, and how do we pray for an increase of faith? And we spend a little time referring to uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses, really, verses 21 through 24, uh, where the father, uh, his, his boy is possessed, and he begs Jesus uh, to heal his son. 
Uh, and in turn, in a nutshell, Jesus says, okay. <laughs> how's, that, how's that for loose translation? Uh, but he does. He, he, responds, but he responds in faith to heal the boy, but he also, Jesus responds to the faith of the Father in his, in his prayer. And so we, in turn, we're talking, praying in faith for an increase of faith. But also we want to talk, how do you pray in confidence, Joe? When you know, we're talking praying confidence, what's the difference to pray in confidence and then just to pray, just a prayer petition? Well, it, what we first have to understand, Mark, is, again, faith really is synonymous with trust, right? Mm-hmm. Um, insofar as it is that most concrete act and virtue of faith. Now, the word confidence in many ways, brings those two together because the confidere, confides, is, is with faith. But uh, in the context of confidence, it, the, the, the fides, it's, it's trust. Uh, the Greek word for um, faith in the New Testament, you, you see it over 200 times, I think 243 times, it translates as, as trust. And trust, it, it, it's confidence, right? It's caught up in confidence. So just by way of analogy, Mark, you and I, you know, we had many battles, many one-on-one battles on the basketball court. Right. Right? Oh, my, my boys um, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I spent much of my adolescent life uh, honing my skills on the basketball court, for better or worse. Yeah. Um, but if there were things that I needed to work on, I made a point to work on those things. You know, I'm right-handed, so I had the tendency to drive to my right side. Um, well, guys started to play me defensively to go to the left. Well, they did that because I wasn't very good going to the left. And so I needed to work on my left hand dribble. Good old coach Leventini. I never (laughs) thought that name would come up in a podcast. (laughs) Good old coach Leventini one time tied uh, uh, my, um, my right hand behind my back. So all that I did for about an hour was work on my left hand dribble. And from there on, I made a point to really work on my left hand dribble. The whole idea there, Mark, is the more I, I work on my weaknesses, per se, the more confidence I had in my game. And just more generally speaking, the more I practiced my shot, the more confident I would be in my shot, which is to say then, uh, the more I trust my shot, the more I trust my left-hand dribble, right? Yeah. So in many ways, and, and I, 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 I don't mean to op- uh, oversimplify this for our, our listening audience, but sometimes we just need to do it, right? We just need to start talking with God. You know, th- th- another question that, that comes up quite a bit, especially recently, is, Joe, you know, h- how do you listen to God? Well, that's part of the increase in confidence. Well, if, if we want to better listen to God, we better first open up the Word of God. So the more time you're spending with sacred scripture, seeing how God works in salvation history, reading about the lives of the saints, and seeing how God intervened in their lives, uh, seeing all the ways in which God has revealed himself, we begin to see that, you know what, this is possible. This task of, of Christianity and Catholicism, yeah, I can do this. The mission that's before me, what at one time might be a stumbling block now becomes my joy because the deeper I go in my faith life with God, the more I see it's possible, which is to say, the more my confidence grows in him as he begins to, to, to work in me. So I, 
I'm going to jump on something you said because I think it's really important. You know, and you said, and I appreciate it. You know, I don't mean to oversimplify. You know, and I, I think I knew what you were saying when you said it because when it comes to prayer, I think for so many of us, and it, it's not say just those who feel like they're beginners in faith. You know, whether we want to say if you know beginners of faith, if they're young, if they're recent converts, uh, if they've walked away, if they've left the Catholic Church, but they're still just feeling like they're in this, you know, middle ground of unknown, but they feel like they're there because their faith isn't strong. All those things. You know, practical, you know, to be intentional. I'm guessing you really did not care to work on your left hand. <laughs> the motivation, I'm going to do my yeah. left hand this week. Your motivation, though, is I want to be a better player. I want to be more effective. You know, let's face in, in when you're in that world, you know, some of those terms, I want to be dominant. You know, you, you want to shine. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. it's not that you want to be dominant in prayer. That's just odd. <laughs> but there's yeah. certainly yeah. sense... You know, the, to the extent that you say you want to shine, well, let the light of Christ shine on you. How does it be possible? You just need to work on the things maybe that are weak or to be intentional. So that's, that's one mm-hmm. practical tip that I would suggest for, for our listeners, for our viewers, is be intentional in your prayer. And by that, sometimes I think, well, but God's not really moving me in that direction. You know what? Sometimes God is just waiting for you to start the conversation. How many times do we walk into a room and we assume we're uncomfortable because we walk into a room, there's 20 people there, I don't really know anyone. Most of those people, they're just waiting for you to say hi. They're not rude. They're not mean people. But we walk into that room and we feel like, oh, everyone's looking at me. This is awkward and no one's coming to me. They're just waiting for you to say hi. They're just waiting for you to initiate. You know, I've done literally hundreds of retreats you go into a room where there's high school students. You go into a room where there's, you know, several parents. And they all look at you because they do recognize you're not from that area. <laughs> you know, you, maybe, you yeah, know, for whatever yeah. reason it is, it's uncomfortable. But really, it's just a matter of you taking that step. So not just to be intentional, but then to act on that intentionality. There are, there are several great ideas that have never been acted on. And I wonder why, you know, I wonder why. So as a matter of prayer, as a matter of communication with God, I'm just thinking, they're just a couple of very practical, simple, that could be misconstrued as, you know, well, it's the Holy Spirit that inspires prayer, prompts prayer. Absolutely. But the God of all history, who knows what's going on in your life, wants you to also kind of claim it, claim what's happening in your life or whatever it is. So I'm speaking, I, I think, hopefully very practical, you know, and yet at the same time kind of general because whatever prompts one to pray. But if there's an area in your life, like we're talking about increase in faith to grow in confidence, well, for starters, you can simply ask the Lord, please help me to grow confident in prayer. Help me and see what happens. And just like you said, not that it's necessarily going to happen this way, but to be introduced to the lives of the saints, to dive into Scripture to start to develop, hey, I have a favorite scripture verse. I have a favorite scriptural passage. Some of those things, not only will you grow more confident just as a person, you grow a little more confident in the subject matter, right? But then you also yeah, yeah. You grow more confident to engage in conversation. You start to grow more confident. You could talk faith with your friends, with your family, with strangers even. Um, those things 
all kind of build on each other to foster a greater confidence. And not just a greater confidence, but then too, by virtue of that, there is an awakening of faith. I'm, I'm pun on purpose, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, an awakening mm-hmm. of faith, but that growth in faith, um, that increase of faith, because there are going to be those moments when uh, your faith's going to be attacked. You're not going to feel it. You know, mm-hmm. and you're not going to feel like praying. And that's when I think your point of just do it. You know, sometimes the act of faith is completely removed from the emotion and the feeling of it. And it is a choice. And the same can yeah. be said, and not to go on too much of a tangent, because we'll, we'll hit on this on a later episode, but the same can be said of love. There's going to be times you just don't yeah. feel like loving someone, yeah. but you choose yeah. it because it is what is right. In this case, uh, through prayer. You're going to choose to communicate with God, going before the Lord. Anyway, I yeah, I mean, you well, Mark, you can spend you can spend hours upon hours about how to ride a bike. You best learn how to ride a bike by riding a bike. Yeah, right. And 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 certainly, it's important to read about how to pray to some extent. But at some point, you just need to pray, and and that's really what we're saying. And and as we've discussed prayer as conversation with God, it is, as you spoke to it, just beginning to enter into that conversation. Jesus is knocking on the door of our hearts as we read in Revelation 3, and we just need to open our hearts. And the opening of our heart is, Jesus, let's talk, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and yeah. he's there. And and that that speaks to, to what you're saying there. Uh, and again, the con- this all goes back to trust and confidence. I- amen. Amen. And in the context of intercessory prayer, you know, it almost, it, it, it wields a whole nother level. You know, uh, I, this is classic me. I almost went down a tangent. <laughs> the danger zone. <laughs> the danger zone with Mark Holcraft is going down the tangent. I'm telling you. Uh, but I want, I want to circle back because uh, we were talking on the break, Joe, briefly. And so we see such a powerful witness and example in Abraham. And there's a reason mm. he's been given the, the title, if you will, as the father of faith. Can you break yeah. that open for us a little bit, Joe? Yeah, so in Genesis chapter 22, uh, verses 1 to 2, I just want to read this here real fast, Mark, as, because I promised in episode 1 we're going to read sacred scripture. Um, <laughs> so this is Genesis 22, verses 1 to 2. Um, and I'll just read verse 2. Um, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Okay, now this is a bizarre request. I mean, Mm -hmm. on on the surface, this doesn't make any sense on on several levels. First of which, Mark, God is love, right? (laughs) <laughs> and God just asked Abraham, for all intents and purposes, to murder his son as an offering to him. That's illogical. That doesn't make sense. Oh, and by the way, 10 chapters ago, he promised from Abraham's line that <laughs> his line will be blessed. As numerous that as all the sands the stars, on the seashore. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, so, okay, God... You just asked me to kill my son, and what father tells another father to do that? But you're telling me that you want to kill my line that you just said? 
you know, Isaac's my only son. Not to mention, what are you I'm saying old. There? Abraham's thinking I'm old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's going yeah. on? Yeah, so it, it doesn't make sense. But maybe, maybe somewhere in there, Abraham is reflecting God is love. And God, as I spoke to it, a, a, you know, a few minutes ago, he's absolute love. Right and absolute love. There, there's no self-interestedness in God. There's not an iota of selfishness in God. Everything that comes from God is life-giving. Um. So, so maybe somewhere in there, Abraham is thinking to himself, "Okay, all right. There's got to be something on the other side of this because God is love." Um. But even as that might speak to some reasoning. It still calls for an extraordinary act of faith, an extraordinary mark act of firm response, responsive listening, right? (laughs) Faithfulness in the God of history who has designed this moment for him to be something outside of himself, something beyond what he can even begin to imagine. And so he trusts. Now, that is why he is our father in faith on one level. The other level, Mark, that I think is really important is when you pay close attention to the um, Abraham narrative that we read from Genesis 12 to Genesis 25, <laughs> he also doubts a great deal. What was I just mm. saying about doubt? He enters really into this art of deception because of his lack of trust. On two separate occasions, he says, to great leaders, one of them being uh, the great Pharaoh, that Sarah is his sister. Well, <laughs> what does the Pharaoh do? He takes Sarah as his wife. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, uh, of course, the art of deception, whether it be 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, or today, always has consequences. But yet, for all that being said, he's still our father in faith. Why? How? Well, <laughs> He repented of his misgivings, of his lack of trust, and ultimately, he does respond to God the Father's request. Uh, And it's a reminder to you and I, Mark, that, and certainly (laughs) the father of, of the boy who is possessed, that we can overcome our doubt, that we are not, in the end, the sum total of our doubt, that even what little faith we have, God desires to do great, great things, that it can, in fact, uh, expand and will if we pray that great prayer of the father of the boy who is possessed. But with respect to Abraham, we have to be mindful of not only his heroic yes, his heroic trust, his heroic confidence, but also he's a man that fell, Mark. He's a man that that plotted on uh, two separate occasions quite the ordeal of deception. Um, and yet he's still our father in faith. Yeah. Because he got up a second time. And as every saint can tell you, in our great Christian Catholic history, no doubt, (laughs) overcoming doubt, getting up a second time, is uh, where you find heroic virtue, heroic manliness, if you will. And amen to that. Amen to Abraham's witness to everything we're talking about. And Joe, you can't speak of, you know, one without the other in this case, you know, for Abraham, yeah, did he do these things? Because I'm thinking of our culture and society right now. We live in a world where it is the intolerant that demands tolerance, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yep. And yep. what's the connection I'm making is the, the whole, the nature of repentance and forgiveness, the internal forgiving yourself and the whole, the very word repentance to turn, to turn back around. Abraham yes. repented, you know, and you, you hinted Amen. at that. You know, and that repentance for each of us can look a little different. But in the end, it acknowledges, I wronged you, God, and I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and I wish to make things right. In its most basic Amen. and profound turning around. Joe, Amen. We, have a, we have a break coming up very soon. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm excited because I, I think, and by God's design, God's grace, there's so much... Uh, about the upcoming saint that we will discuss when we come back from the break. Um, but in, I feel like we've done quite the buildup, you know. And this is one of the things I'm excited about for our listeners. You know, we're talking Abraham, right, thousands of years ago, a witness of faith, and yet we're going to go to a great 20th century saint for us to refer to. So please join us and uh, return with us at Awaken in just a few minutes after the break. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at yourcatholicradiostation.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in your local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, online at yourcatholicradiostation.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio's Awaken. This is Mark Holcraft with Dr. Joe Holcraft. We're talking uh, prayer of faith, praying in faith, asking for an increase of faith and to pray with confidence. Yes, all these things we're talking about. Um, but we come to the segment of our show that Joe and I both, um, we both come with a, a great love of our saints, um, what the saints, you know, the, uh, what they do for us, what they reveal for us, not just the witness of holiness, um, but the saints provide a very unique uh, opportunity of seeing what holiness can look like in the modern times or in their times, the times that they lived. You know, in the moment that they lived, that was, you know, I know this is a deep insight, was the present, <laughs> right? In their present, though, they always provided what it can look like in that time. So what did holiness look like during the Roman Empire? What did, the, what did holiness look like during the Reformation? What did holiness look like in the Counter-Reformation? Uh, what did holiness look like during the Industrial Age? Like all these very historic segments, these, you know, uh, you could say eras of history, the saints provide us what this can look like, you know, making it very real, very real. Like God is present at all times. God is, you know, He is always. God is. And this is, that can be its own, not just show. <laughs> um, really, for seminarians, it's a whole semester of classes, you know, just God is. Okay. You, know, you get into yeah, the, yeah. you know, ontology of God and all that. But for our purposes today, we, uh, 
What do the saints provide for us? And in particular today, the gift of faith. We talked about Abraham, but we talk about a modern saint of our times, uh, Saint Gianna, Saint Gianna Beretta Mola, uh, a great Italian woman saint. Uh, Joe, I'm excited to hear you uh, talk about her. Um, we, yeah. The people in our area, and I'm going to hit on this a little bit later, um, if they know about the St. Gianna Maternity Home, um, that's actually, I would say, has raised an awareness and a love for this beloved saint. Uh, her daughter has come to our area uh, a couple of times. Um, so there's, there's, I'm excited to talk about St. Gianna. I'm excited to hear you talk yeah. about St. Gianna. Uh, yeah, do. you know, sure. Yeah, you know, Mark, when I first read about St. Gianna, there wasn't anything that just kind of jumped out at me, per se. Um, and that's what made her so uh, unique to me. Uh, what do I mean? Well, she wasn't a saint who had a series of mystical visions. She wasn't a saint who was a doctor of the church. She wasn't a saint who founded a religious community. Um, she was a wife. She was a mother. And she was a physician. Right Now, she was a wife, mother, and physician who embraced her ordinary life. And that's actually what began to attract me to her. She began to, um, in her life, uh, as she began to embrace her faith, she, was, uh, she started to get involved with the St. Vincent de Paul Society. She was a, a part of the Catholic a uh, Action Movement. She took her faith, um, and, and she took it to the streets. Now, for many of us who are familiar with St. Gianna, we're familiar with her because of what happened at the end of her life. But what I might suggest to our listeners, Mark, before we talk about that, is when we lay down our life for other, do pay close attention to the life as a whole, because right, the gift right. of martyrdom or the gift of laying down your life as she did is really the crown of a whole life that was lived in testimony to, uh, to the Catholic faith. And so, again, when you go inside of what she was actually doing as a physician, when you start to read about her actions in the Catholic Action Movement and St. Vincent de Paul Society, you do see a woman who pursued heroically uh, holiness. Now, the ordinary and the superordinary, as that's an important piece of the conversation, certainly what happened in 1961 and then ultimately 62 uh, is is very important to discuss. It, it is because, um, you know, it is the reason why we speak to her now. In 1961, Mark, in her first trimester of her fourth pregnancy, she started to have some abdominal pain. And after a series of procedures, it was discuss, uh, discovered that she had a fibroma. So, in simple terms for our listening audience, basically, uh, she. <laughs> Inside her uterus, she had a baby and a tumor. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was a problem, obviously. So essentially, there are two things, there were two choices put before her. You could abort the baby, saving your life, and ultimately you can have more children. And, or, and, Joe, and if I could interrupt, I'm just going to interrupt quickly. Yeah. Even the option of aborting the baby is saying she could survive. She may not, she, she may not have survived, simply put. That, that wasn't a guarantee, but that was no. 
and I just make that point because that's that is still put out there today. You can abort the baby, yeah. you'll still be safe and healthy. And that is not always true. I, I, I digress. No, Please no. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It, it's an important point to make and, and certainly one that, um, you know, needs to be discussed in, in some form. For, for St. Gianna, uh, that was never going to be the option. And so, well, what was the other option? Uh, well, you can take out the tumor, but if you take out the tumor... And that means there's possible complications afterwards and you can lose your life. Yeah. And we're not talking, when I say possible, we're not talking like a 51%. There's a high, high chance that you're going to lose your life. And ultimately, St. Gianna chose to, um, chose to, to take out the, the tumor, of course. And a week after she had uh, Gianna, Emanuela, Mola, uh, her life, uh, she died. She passed away. Um, today, Mark, is April 28th, right? Um, and providentially speaking, <laughs> this was not by design. Um, today is St. Gianna's Feast Day. And I just love that. I love when God shows off. I, I called you uh, this morning saying, man, Mark, I've got a Gucci for you. I don't know if you saw it. But today <laughs> yeah. is, is the feast day of, of, of St. Gianna. Right. And the 21st, of course, uh, the 21st of 1962, April 21st of 1962 was, was when little Gianna Emanuela Mola was born. Of course, Emanuela meaning God is with us, which I absolutely yeah. love. So she's oh. named after her mother who gave her life over for her life. Um, and her names, uh, her name bears God's presence. God oh, is with layers. us. And, layers. It's such a beautiful testimony. And gosh, Mark, we were just talking about Abraham. Here, God goes to Abraham, right, in Genesis 22, verse uh, 1 and 2, and asks that he would offer his son up as an offering, a burnt offering, right? Uh, and Abraham takes it all the way to the top of Mount Moriah. He wields the knife, and then the angel Lord intervenes, right? This is what yeah. we talked about earlier. Here, God places the desire of life in senior Gianna's heart and she lays her life down for her child there's this subtle move this subtle twist and, and the reason why i talked about saint john in my book was was really for this reason this profound expression of faithfulness this willingness to sacrifice um uh, her willingness to sacrifice her life for her daughter it, it's it's a profound expression of faith and in the end, Mark, it's a profound expression of responding to the God who she believes in. You know, she, at, at some point, and, and I'm sure many women have been out there, many women are out there who have been in the shoes of Gianna in, in a predicament like this. This is not some crazy anomaly, Mark. You know, I've spoken with women who have had similar situations. And, you know, it's one of those things where, when God is first in our life and we have faith in God and we trust in God, he will let us know um, how and when to say yes as yeah. we ought. Yeah. And this is the great lesson that uh, St. Gianna teaches us. Uh, the woman, Mark, who her whole life, you know, was a testimony to God in her last testament, she teaches us ultimately what it means to be pro-life unconditionally 
um, in her great act of love for her daughter. And a- amen to that. And, and Joe, I, and I want to swing back around. When you first started speaking about St. Gianna, one of the things that is striking about her is, you know, is the ordinary aspects of her life. The things that yeah. in ordinary in that they're everyday. She was married. She was a mother. She was a doctor, uh, a very gifted woman. Um, but things that you, when you mentioned, you know, you know women, I know women, her circumstances were not so unusual. You know, in that, you know, she, she suffered with two, two miscarriages, St. Gianna did, uh, before yeah. uh, this fourth child. And so I, I think of that, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, for our listeners, a lot of times uh, women who suffer miscarriages, there's a... From what I have been told and understand, you know, you just, you can't help but feel discouraged. Maybe you feel like you did something wrong. Uh, even mm-hmm. sometimes misinterpreted to be like, God is punishing me, you know, at times. Mm-hmm. There's all these emotions that can come around. And yet, how, as a model of faith, like you said, her martyrdom was a crown jewel, but the witness of faith that she lived and how it grew through her whole life. Um, provides a witness for us. It wasn't just that moment, you know, that, that speaks of greatness. It was in every moment yeah. leading up to that moment that also spoke of greatness. I think we need to remember that. You know, yes, yeah, we fall, it, it, yes, we fail, but how we come back to, like you said, Abraham, he fell, but he came back to. All the saints, they fall, they come back to, and it continues to foster that greatness. What were you going to say, Joe? Well, and it, it's it's in light of the point you make now, Mark. Um, I have met with a number of women who have had abortions, and I've encountered them on Rachel Vineyard's type retreats. Okay, uh, the, the Rachel Vineyard retreat is a very specific treat that helps um, the healing, um, that helps heal women who have had abortions. Um, and they often speak to this attachment that uh, they did not speak to it when they had the abortion three, five, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, but when they were ready to talk about it, that's what they would speak to. And so that that's part of the healing, right. That, that needs to take mm-hmm. place that they were a mother right, and are a mother. And, and so to grapple with that, right. Uh, yeah. St. Gianna, no doubt. <laughs> didn't turn her life over for a blob of tissue. No, before a life, right? She was in the first trimester, Mark, we have to remember, mm. okay, when this was first brought to her attention. Um, but she understood. Um, and the point I want to make is she <laughs> experienced what every woman experiences. And I, I bring all of this up because um, it's something we need to be, be attentive to, Mark, and pray for when this topic of uh, abortion and life comes up, because there's the tendency to uh, condemn, condemn, condemn. And no doubt we need to bear witness to life. It is, by my estimation, the most important topic out there because of the millions and millions of aborted babies, the millions and millions of lives that have been lost, the Holocaust that is abortion. But at the same time, we have to enter into the great mystery of of what we've been talking about, trust and God's mercy. There's a reason why the bottom of the divine mercy image says, Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in your healing presence, your healing power, your healing love. We have to step into the misery of another. 
while witnessing to the pro-life issue, step into the misery of, of another and journey with them. Right? That's mercy. Mercy is misericordia. The, the, the Latin compound is misery and heart. It's where one heart steps into the misery of another. Yeah. And women who have had abortions, uh, there's great misery there. Now, in the secular world, you know, they'll, they'll show it as, you know, they're behind a cause. Mark, that's all. And you know this, that that's all the surface. Yeah. There's a profound, profound wound, the, the deepest kind of wound. And we need to enter into that misery, uh, helping them, journey with them. And in the example of St. Gianna, we have a witness who can help us in that journey, right? Help many women in that journey. And it might mm-hmm. be hard for, for women. They talk about St. John on these retreats. Um, but as they confront, you know, what they've done, at the same time that they can be shown God's mercy, God desires to lavish out his mercy on those who are distant from him. Right? And, and that's what his mercy is all about. Jesus goes to those who are the farthest away. And if and if you're a listener right now, and if you've had an abortion, God's mercy desires you. He desires you. And, you know, it, the word salvation, Mark, salvatio, right? Healing balm. Mercy is on the crucifix, and he reaches down, and he desires to, desires to heal your wound. And as one... Uh, who needs to receive that mercy. We all need to receive God's mercy, right? We need to, uh, to open our hearts and allow that to take place. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that was a rabbit down the whole mark, but no. <laughs> I was compelled no. to go so there because it's, it's just so absolutely. important. And so, and I, I would be remiss to not, as you were sharing, I'd be remiss to not speak of St. Gianna's maternity home on this, her feast day. Uh, we're talking pro-life, the gift of witness that she was, uh, not just in pro-life in regards to the option of abortion, um, but she was pro-life in the medical field. Um, she knew the bigger picture of what pregnant women needed. Uh, the St. Gianna Maternity Home, for our listeners, you know, we, our network, uh, you're from you know, Rapid City, Gillette, all the way out to uh, even Wisconsin, Duluth. We have a beautiful place in Minto, North Dakota. It's in the Fargo Diocese called the St. Gianna Maternity Home, where they're dedicated to providing safe shelter, uh, food, clothing, education, and counseling uh, to women who are going through the process. So, you know, you could say they are crisis pregnancies. And so, just a shout out to the Saint Gianna Maternity Home, who in turn, I mean, Amen. it came to be because of the witness of Saint Gianna herself. So there you go. Uh, there you go. Oh, indeed, indeed. And Joe, if I can, we we have a few seconds before. What do we got left here, Eli? Uh, we have a, f- a few seconds before we close out. Um, I just want to speak to this um, as a way of knowing, Joe, and this might take us to our close, because we're talking faith. You know, and there's so much in regards to faith. How do we learn about our faith? We come to a knowledge of faith. We know faith. We study faith. We make experiences. We come to know through experience. So we come to know through experiences. We come to know through facts. We come to know through doctrine, if you will, even opinion that can bear a positive witness. What Gianna provides for us is a witness of faith coming to know through faith, which is a mystery. We need to bring a wake to a close. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you in a couple weeks. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.